The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you. It's time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. If you haven't been, check out rotofanatic.com for our latest rankings. The Data Monster, which has comparable prospect outcomes, and Carmeirano's Barrel Board. Don't miss out. It's episode 63, the Raphael Betancourt edition. On today's show, we have a guest who is the first three-time visitor to the Palazzo Podcast, although this is her first time on her own. You may know her from Cup of Cubby Blue, a Cubs podcast, or from Bleed Cubby Blue. Here she is, one of our favorite guests, Sarah Sanchez. Join your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier as they break down fantasy baseball with Sarah. We're going to look at some outcomes in our Shine or Ride the Pine segment exclusively about Cubs. Glarf, the Great Lakes Area Roto League, insane fantasy takes, and players to avoid in drafts. Take it away, everybody! Palazzo environment. Welcome in. It's the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Me and my co-host, Mr. Christopher Deary. It's a Wednesday night, and we're gonna talk fantasy baseball, right, Deary? Yeah, you know what Wednesday means? That means a doubleheader. Yeah, it seems like there's other days that are doubleheaders now too, but that's okay. I love it. I love doing podcasting and talking about fantasy baseball. We got 
somebody who's going to talk fantasy baseball with us today. But first, don't forget that you can go to twitter.com. Type in Palazzo Podcast. It has two L's and it has two Z's. It's really that simple. We also have an email. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. You talk. And? Give me two. You can talk to us about fantasy baseball. It's a lot of fun. We'll answer your questions. Uh, Dynasty, uh, redraft 2021 draft prep, anything that's on your mind, instead of posting it on some chat board or waiting for somebody to respond to you on a Facebook group or a Twitter handle, why don't you just email us or DM us? And you can also do it on our own Facebook page. Say, hey, it's Rico Palazzo. Facebook page is available for you to post questions to. We'll answer them. We would love to do that, wouldn't we, Deary? Oh, yeah. We will answer all of your texts, all of your tweets to us, all of your emails, all of your, what do you call it, uh, snail mail? Yeah, yeah, snail mail. Okay. Well, I, don't, I haven't got a snail mail yet. Maybe you are aware of some, but I'm not. But today's show is going to be focused on our guest. It's another in an endless series of guests that we shoved out your throat every week. It's a lot of fun because these people know things that we don't know, and they can give you pieces of information that we don't necessarily have. And today's guest is no exception to that. She's in her own world, to be honest with you. She is a multi-time participant in the Hey, It's a Rico Blotso Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is first time coming on by herself, so you know, don't be shy. Don't be nervous. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can find her. Cup of Cubby Blue podcast. You can also find her over at Bleed Cubby Blue, part of SB Nation. She is one of our favorite guests of all time. It's the one and only Sarah Sanchez. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you have more sound effects now than you used to. I yes, things have changed a little bit. Uh, did some reconstruction in the. Uh, right before the new year, got some Christmas stuff. And now I incorporate them. And yes, they are annoying to some people, but you know, I think it brings up the production level, makes it a little more exciting. And we wanted to give you the grand entrance that really you deserved. I appreciate that very much. Well, today's show, we're going to talk about, you guessed it, fantasy baseball with Sarah. Uh, We will talk some Cubs too. She knows her Cubs. We're going to do some Cubs projections, but we're going to get focusing a bit on the fantasy realm and get Sarah's take. Sarah is a part of fantasy baseball in the GLARF, which is something we'll discuss as well, in the Great Lakes area, Roto Fantasy League. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, things related to fantasy baseball. (laughs) You know, it's the same show, except we got a new guest and we get a different take. So in the sense, it's the same show, but it's not. And that's why I'm very excited to have Sarah here, because Sarah has a lot of experience in fantasy baseball. Sarah... You've been on the show many times. What is one thing that people should know about you beyond fantasy baseball? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to go beyond Cubs too because I feel like you've already sort of previewed the fact that I'm I'm a Cubs person. Um, so we'll we'll say that the thing people should know about me is that my day job is in debate. I've spent the last 15 years teaching people how to argue, but generally not in like a mean, vicious way, and like a useful, making a point way. Okay. Really? You teach people how to debate? Yeah. I, well, I currently work for a nonprofit that does that. But yes, I taught for seven years. And while I taught, I taught the debate class and ran debate programs. Oh. 
I love debate class when I was in high school. It was one of my favorite classes. It was so much fun. I was in the debate club even my uh, sophomore and junior year. Yeah, I debated for a long time. So high school, a little bit of college, and um, then in the debate community for the past 15 years. So longer than I've been in the fantasy community. But. Uh, do you take the pro or the con? Which one do you prefer? I can do either. Oh, wow. multifaceted. The whole good good thing about debate is that you can switch sides and advocate for either thing. Damn right. That's absolutely correct. Man, that's cool. Wow. See, this is why we ask these questions. We get to know our guests beyond just fantasy baseball, and that's what we do on the Hey, It's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're here with Sarah Sanchez. Of course, you can follow Sarah on Twitter. BCB underscore Sarah. That's S-A-R-A. And, you know, Baseball season's upon us, Sarah. Are there some things that people can look forward to from you over the next month to six weeks from now? Well, so I've actually got a piece I'm working on tonight about baseball's new harassment policy that they came out with yesterday. I don't know if people saw that from Lindsay Adler in The Athletic. They're revamping um, all of the ways that the people in and around the game can feel safer with it after what happened with Jared Porter out with the Mets, although all of those scandals actually happened when he was with the Cubs. So that was really frustrating as a Cubs fan to yet again be mm. in the position to be writing those stories. Um, I just had a couple of pieces come out actually about the baseball. Dr. Meredith Wills is a friend of mine. And so I always love when she's got new work uh, that she's talking about to highlight that really let people know what's going on with the physics of the game. And, you know, I think that's a huge issue for what fantasy players and are going to need to know as they draft their teams, right? There's a whole slew of guys who are right in that. It might be a home run or it might be a long out and a whole slew of pitchers who have given up some contact over the last few years that probably wasn't a home run with a slightly dead in baseball. So I think that those numbers are going to shift a lot to the extent that you can incorporate that in your draft plans. That's a good plan. Yeah, Whit Merrifield comes to mind. Absolutely. Yeah, Whit Merrifield there. Had some cheap home runs over the years. So, yeah, that'll be a big deal. And, yes, with the Mickey Calloway situation going on in L.A. as well, Jared Porter, unfortunately, uh, there are scumbags. First off, there's scumbags in the world, okay? And then there are scumbags that infiltrate baseball. Now, there could be limited protocols that allow these types of people to be kind of weaseled out a little more quickly, not a lot. They can't be allowed to flourish as some of them have been allowed to over the years. Is that fair to say? I, I think that is fair to say. I think baseball is, has taken a step in the right direction here in terms of adding third party reporting structure in terms of, if you look at their previous policy and their current policy, one of the things that jumps out right away is that the previous policy is really geared towards the players. It doesn't mention staff a lot. It doesn't mention front office types at all. Um, that has shifted with the new policy. But I, the thing that I want to caution people on here is that this is still MLB running all their own investigations of themselves at the end of the day. And so as much as they might hear more about the problems that exist because of third party reporting, until they have a process by which people really get to the bottom of those issues in a timely manner, I don't know how much is going to change. They need an outside governing system to handle these issues. Absolutely. 
None of these leagues do that, though. The NFL does the same thing. They handle their own investigations. They try to say, oh, we're bringing in so-and-so, but they're like their right-hand people. It's just... Uh, we live in a world that is very corrupt and has a lot of issues, and it's unfortunate. And, you know, women are the target because of the minority in baseball, too, so they get pushed around more unfairly, unfairly completely. And then... If you start to go to the rest of the world, you look at everybody who has less access and less power in the structure will always be shit upon. And uh, it's bogus. It is bogus. And I think it's important that you're shining a light on that. And we all need to be shining a light on it. Sure, this is a fantasy baseball show. It's about fantasy baseball. But, you know, we're always going to talk about what matters. You know, when George Floyd was killed last year, we talked about that. And we dedicated a podcast to it. And we're not just going to live, you know, in the bubble with tunnel vision. So thank you for bringing that up, Sarah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Hey, well, that's what we do here on the Hans Rico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast, which is part of the road fanatic podcast network, along with the turn Two podcast, which you can find with Matt Williams. He's got a new episode out with Mike Curlin, sleepy K big fan of mine, a big fan of mine. He's he loves big, you, Mike. He's a big <laughs> fan of mine. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, actually. So, yeah, but we're both fans of each other. Right, Mike? I know you're out there. Hell, he's probably watching right now. He always watches this shit. He's lives a sad existence, don't you, Mike? I love you. Just kidding. <laughs> I got to say, uh, check that out. Rota Fanatics got good stuff. We got our rankings now available. Deary, you were just talking about you checked out the rankings on rotafanatic.com. Yeah, it was great because you could see everybody that writes on there and put up their rankings and compare them to each other. So I just kind of did a quick work through. Maybe I'll have some questions, uh, you know, maybe Friday when we pull out the next pod that maybe I can grill you on uh, some that I like and maybe some that I'm questioning in terms of your rankings. But uh, great work you guys are doing over there. Thank you, Deary. Speaking of that, questioning rankings, we have a series called High and Low. Somebody takes the high, somebody takes the low. Someone's got a high ranking on Whit Merrifield, for example. That's an article that's out. Uh, Car Mayorano is high on Whit Merrifield. Paul Mamino is low. They go toe-to-toe, and then our data monster filters it out and gives you their own opinion. The data monster always has its own opinion. So check that out. I think we're doing really good stuff. We also have uh, Dave Funnel, the week that was. He catches you up on everything you need to know. But it's not just like surfacing news, which it is, but it also gives you in-depth analysis. So check that out at rotofanatic.com. We're doing good stuff over there, and we like to think we know a thing or two about fantasy baseball. All right, uh, now for a little housekeeping. Uh, let's cue the Belvedere music, I'm sure. There we go. Mr. Belvedere's in the house, and we want to thank George Montanez for coming out with a very beautiful piece. Uh, Sarah, did you see this today? Did you see where he posted I, a story about his family? I did. It's so touching. I, I actually... It's awesome in the literal sense of the word awesome. It makes you step back and think about life, existence, and who we are. It was it was really powerful. Hell yes. George, we salute you. Thank you so much for being honest about your own family's experience and the trials and tribulations of, with mental health and addiction. I salute you. I support you. I commend you. I'm so proud of you. I want to say thank you to George. And I want to give a shout-out to Yancey Eaton, who's always giving me good tips on the show, what we should and shouldn't be doing. Thank you to Yancey. And I did a YouTube video series with this guy named Mason Dodd. It's called The Fantasy Flock, and I'm pretty excited about it. He asked me a bunch of questions, five different videos. The first one's out right now. It's 
players to avoid in the first round of drafts. So please check it out. Give him a follow over there on YouTube. You can go to YouTube, type in the search bar, Fantasy Flock, Fantasy Baseball Flock. That's all you got to do, and then you'll find it. He's got his own Fantasy Football Flock, Fantasy Basketball Flock. Don't be fooled by the subscriber size. This guy has 22,000 followers or subscribers on his Fantasy Base Football Flock. So let's get the Fantasy Baseball Flock pumped up. It's something new he's trying, and he gave me a chance to talk about stuff. So thank you, Mason, so much. That was very kind of you, and I want to keep pushing that on every single show. And then finally, a shout-out to Glarf, which, Sarah, you are a part of, the Great Lakes Area Roto League. It's me and you and Derek Van Riper, and, uh, Dave McDonald. Uh, we got Janice Scurio to join recently. So basically, it's a bunch of people from the Great Lakes area who are going to be going toe-to-toe in a underbelly of an overall title for the Barf, which is the Bay Area on the West Coast, the Nerf, which is in New England, I think. Very excited about this. How do you feel about it? I am super stoked about this. And the only thing I am sad about is that we can't draft in person this year because the original proposal has like this whole, we all get together in Chicago and we do an in-person draft. And I think that would be incredible. And I'm on, I don't even know, month 11, 10, something of not being in person with people. And I just cannot wait. So this year is going to be fun and I'm excited and we'll do our online thing and whatever. But next year (laughs) when we can draft in person, is going to be legit awesome. Hell to the yeah, I'm all for it. And we talked about on this show many months ago when you were on with Andy about all of us wanting to go to a Tigers-Cubs game or a White Sox game or something. So, yeah, we're going to do all these things someday. We will. Don't worry. At this point, I would settle for a Brewers game. Like, I just want to see baseball. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's funny. I, I could see that, too. I think we're all getting pretty desperate. And, you know, Vaccines are slowly rolling out, so maybe by summertime, you know, there could be some more opportunities. I, I don't have a vaccine at all, but some people might. Friday for me. I'm going Friday to get my first round. Congratulations, I'm so dude. jealous. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get there, Sarah. Don't worry. Your time I, will come. People. I'm sure I'm like months away. I was just excited because my father got his vaccine appointment this week, and that was the best news I've been waiting for months for my parents to get vaccinated. Absolutely. Three cheers for that. I'm very, very happy for you. That's great news for your dad. Well done. Um, Yeah, so the Glarf's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's like a real serious league. Like, there's major money involved and bragging rights of some really good analysts. So not only do I want to win the Glarf, I want to kick Sarah's butt, but I want to kick everybody else's butt. Yeah. (laughs) So I want... I, I guess I would say this. I would be willing to lose if one of our league mates was the overall winner. I want one Glarf member to win the whole thing in the end. It's kind of like the Big Ten where you, the season starts out and you want to kick everybody's ass in the Big Ten. But once you get to, you know, the playoff or bowl season, you kind of, you're like, oh, I'll root for Michigan State or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I've never rooted for Michigan in my life. <laughs> well, you're a Notre Dame homer. <laughs> That's true. I I did go to the University of Utah, so and but there aren't really a lot of Pac-12 teams I'm rooting for either. I, I'm pretty much like the Utes and the Irish; those are my teams. That's it. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I was wrong. But then. I will, uh, but, but I will be rooting for the whoever from the Glarf is is the winner because the Glarf is obviously going to win. Woohoo! 
Ooh, yes. That's the bottom line. I don't really actually root for like Michigan State. I, I was just trying to be friendly. I would never root for Ohio State in the playoff. But all as a Michigan fan, we have nothing to say because they murder us every year. So we're just in the shitter. We are way we're hiding in terror. Afraid. <laughs> so but we could beat Notre Dame. We killed Notre Dame a couple years ago. That was awesome. So. A couple years ago. Well, it was that terrible weather game. Remember that game in uh, Michigan? It was like raining. Even the Notre Dame players were like covering. They didn't want to be there. Yeah, I can awful. understand. We were out that tailgating awful. that day. I remember how terrible the weather was. It was not fun. It wasn't a fun day, but it was fun to see them beat Notre Dame, and it always is. So, but that's the only team we could beat is Notre Dame. So. <laughs> All right, so you're gonna have to change. The Move on. I don't want to talk about Michigan football. <laughs> Michigan Chris basketball comes want... back Sunday, so Do you... let's talk about Notre that. Dame football from this year. Oh yes. Well, what happened? We there was not... there was a year. Yeah, they went to the playoff, dear. So. Oh yeah, yeah. That that happens there. Yeah, they do that. They go to the playoff every couple of years, and then they, everybody, they're not unusual. They get killed by Alabama just like everybody else. Every, we get killed by Alabama. You guys get killed by Alabama. So. Alabama is unfair. I think it's a cheat code. Yeah, I think they should be in their own league now outside of NCAA. It's not fun anymore. There should be a playoff that doesn't include Alabamans. Let's see who wins that. I <laughs> they just play Clemson every year for the title. Yeah, they're just a train. Ro- they're train rolling, steam train rolling, steam rolling. It's a freight train rolling down with a lot Heart of steam trying. that can't be stopped. So, All right, well, enough of this nonsense. Let's get into some of the fun stuff on the show. It's time to do what we call Enrico's Inquisition. Uh, no leading off today. I just I cut it out. So uh, if you're used to listening to the show routinely and you're like, where's the leading off? There's no leading off. Not today. We're trying to trim some of the fat, make the show a little bit tighter. So let's get into Enrico's Inquisition. Are you ready, Sarah? Ready. Let's go. All right, you're all on your own this time, so strap in. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, (laughs) Van Halen. Not a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Get ready for some doozies, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. (laughs) That is correct. Sarah's going to step into the ring. It's her all alone on an island, and we'll keep it simple. You know, we just ask some this or that's, have some fun. It's lighthearted for the most part. We throw in a little bit of baseball still. But the first thing we have to do, and this has come up now because Doug Ishikawa was on the show the other day, and he said that Survivor was a great show. And uh, I have to get your opinion on this. Do you watch Survivor, and are you a fan? I have seen three episodes of Survivor ever. An ex of mine used to watch it, and I just couldn't. It gave me a lot of anxiety. Reality TV generally gives me anxiety. It's all built around like these interpersonal conflicts that I work studiously hard to avoid. So the only reality shows I really watch are cooking shows. I like Top Chef. Top Chef is good. There's less anxiety there. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much for vindicating. Survivor, come on, man. Uh, Even our own dear diehard fan of the show, Russell Withers, who loves Master Commander, says he loves Survivor, too. And he says he prefers it over to Master Commander, which really upset me, dearie, but I'm trying to 
trying to come to terms with that. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on with this whole Survivor talk. Um, it's really starting to bother me. I didn't even know the show was still on, but a uh, good call on that uh, <laughs> top, top Chef, sir. I used to watch that with my wife a lot uh, like 10 years ago. I didn't even realize it was still on. Is it it's still on? Same it people is, hosting? Still on, and it, it is, and mostly the same people. It's still great. I like that Tom Colicchio guy. He's a good guy. Tom hey! Colicchio is awesome. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. <laughs> Is he like the best chef ever? No, he's like one of the hosts. He he is a a chef and like a critic and all that stuff. But he was like the host. He was a really really good host. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, right. he owns some restaurants and can talk about food. I love restaurants. I love food. Uh, speaking of that, what is your favorite restaurant in Chicago? Oh, that's tough. That's very um, hard. You know, I spend most. The restaurant I go to the most in my neighborhood is called Crosby's Kitchen. It's about a 15-minute walk from Wrigley Field. It's just like really good new American Southern food. Awesome wine list. It's incredible. Sounds delicious. I miss it. What is the best dish there? What's the best dish? (laughs) So they actually, they have a ton of dishes. They do like a rotisserie thing and they do a lot of other stuff. But they, uh, the biscuits and the cornbread are to die for they've got i don't know what they're putting in those things but whoever's recipes those biscuits and cornbread are it is out of control good and they have an amazing brunch i miss brunch brunch was great yeah brunch used to be a big deal for a lot of people before covid and now it's a distant memory in fact i would even welcome it again even though it got a little bit played out but now that it's been so long bring it back let's have it again i just like eggs and bacon at like two o'clock Perfect. <laughs> Eggs, bacon, and baseball at 2 o'clock. I am an nice. avid bruncher. I love it, and I miss it so much. Yes, he does. He means that, too. I had a great brunch in Chicago once, uh, about five, six years ago. It was the best Bloody Mary accoutrement. It had, like, a, a roasted duck ball on it and like, all this extra crap beyond the pickles beyond the celery beyond bacon it was just ridiculous and uh, it's like those crazy bloody marys they have like a hamburger on top of it <laughs> yeah exactly it gets that it's gotten that stupid and it was in chicago i wish i could remember where it was but i don't recall they have those everywhere in chicago like the the i think there's a competition in chicago to see who can put the most stuff in your bloody mary <laughs> Oh, that is so true. I have no, I have no doubt about that whatsoever. And uh, I miss Chicago too. Now that you're bringing it up, it's a great city, and so many great places to go. You can never live a full enough life or a long enough life to do everything you want to do in this life. And Chicago is one of those cities that provides a lot of stuff. Uh, but let's talk about some other stuff. Would you rather live in an apartment or a house if you had your choice? and I'm probably gonna go to a condo after that I don't need that much space um at the moment it's just me I suppose theoretically and on occasion there's a dude in the in that equation too but not really looking to have kids or anything and houses are like it's a lot man and when things break nobody comes and fixes it for you that is true Deary could attest to that can't you Deary yeah yeah, the story behind that is uh, yeah. a day before my wife and I left for our wedding to go get married in New York, we had a sewer pipe burst in our front yard. So we had to call an emergency plumber to come in and fix all that crap. And we came home the next week to a 16-foot hole in our front yard. And uh, luckily, insurance took 
care of a lot of it, but there's a lot of other shit we've had to fix, and uh, it's a hellhole in terms of just putting money into it. So it's a money pit, folks. It is a money pit. Oh, I miss the money pit. Tom Hanks, Shelley Long, it's been a while. Uh, how about this? This is a tough one. It's not fair, and we do this on purpose, by the way, so know that going into it. Uh, would you rather see the minimum wage increase to a livable wage, or would you rather see the first female manager in Major League Baseball? <laughs> it's so unfair to Of course it is. I would rather see the minimum wage increase to a livable wage because I think hey! everybody deserves to not feel like panic all the time about their living arrangements and people shouldn't have to work two or three jobs and not clear the poverty line. It's just absurd. I was looking at somebody posted the minimum wage thing, like how it hasn't changed in 10 years or 12 years or however many years it is. And 725 was not a livable wage in 2007 or whatever it was the last time they increased it. I don't even know what we're doing. I remember making, this is true. I'm that old. I made 425 an hour. Yep. Uh, that really happened. In high school. Yeah. And like yeah. how much of that is taxes? <laughs> you're, that was you're the, no, that was yeah, that was, That's pre-tax. Yeah. <laughs> you get so excited your check was over a hundred bucks. Wow. Woohoo! Dude, I'm balling for the next hour. week. Yeah, and I'd bitch about my dues to the union back then, but now I'd kill for a union. I'll tell you what. When I was a teacher, I would have killed to have a union and we didn't have one. So just saying. Just some thoughts to think about here. Like I said. We think on this show critically. And if you don't like it, then uh, go listen to something else. What can I tell you? Uh, but yeah, you know, the good news is uh, we have a major league general manager who's a female for the first time ever. And, uh, you know, we, I don't think we got a chance to get your thoughts on that since it happened. Uh, real quick, how does that make you feel? Honestly, the piece I wrote when Kim Ang was hired is that she is the most qualified person to ever be named a general manager in baseball. Should have happened a decade ago. She's been working as a vice president in MLB. And look, I don't know what you all know about org charts, but I know that vice president doesn't usually go back down to general manager. And I recognize that like MLB isn't like a clean org chart, but that's, she basically had to like rise above general manager and then like crash down through the glass ceiling, right? It's like a diehard hard move. It's like, I am going to come from above and force you <laughs> to let a woman into this position. And she did, and she's awesome, and she's going to be great. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Marlins to win the World Series now. And I used I to hate that organization. That. So I can't do that. Derek no, Peter you can't. No. And the Cubs stuff, like, I can't. But I like Kinning, and I want good things for her. And when, the Cub, when it looked like the Cubs were just going to sell all their talent on, for peanuts on the dollar earlier this year, I... There was there were rumors that the Marlins wanted Wilson Contreras, and I found myself simultaneously furious because Wilson is my favorite, and thinking if I was kidding and I thought the Cubs were going to sell off a bunch of players for nothing, Wilson Contreras is exactly who I would go get. So, props for that. Yeah, you have too much tied up in the Cubs Marlins playoff history <laughs> to ever be able to do that. And, and it's too so. soon. It's too soon. It is still too. You're right. It's still fresh. These wounds they. You know, trauma lasts a lifetime sometimes. It's very painful. So I understand. No uh, ill will there. I do wish you guys the best as the Cubs have gotten on some more difficult times. But, you know, we'll talk a little more of that later in the show. I do want to know, though, since the U Darvish trade, what is the dumbest or most ridiculous trade offer you've seen on the Internet for a Cubs player? Oh, 
all of these Yankees fans who think they're going to get Kyle Hendricks for like their number 13, 15, 17, and 19 prospect are totally like they're out of control, ridiculous. So we want Javi Baez for five guys who might play in the major Sundays. Get out. New York, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> I don't think Christina would like to hear that. But uh, then again, she's not a drunk Yankees fan either. She's much more reasonable. So she is. A, she's a the Yankees fan that like she hates the team more than she loves the team. She just she rips them when they're not doing well. It's just like, you know, Stanton, you're done. You're done. You're canceled because all you do is get hurt. And Gary Sanchez, all you do is strike out. So she's extremely critical of them. And if they go down one nothing in a playoff series. It's over. <laughs> she loves her team. Uh, gosh, that all sounds so familiar to me. We're talking with Sarah Sanchez here inside Enrico's Inquisition. Uh, you know, sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's not. We try to lower the bar and give you a couple of easy ones, and then we push you a bit. We're going to challenge you on this show. We're not afraid to do that. Uh, imagine Dragons or Nickelback. Uh, I guess Imagine Dragons, because I think I might actually have liked one of their songs once, but I can't name it or anything. I just remember hearing it on my running playlist. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I must say that is a challenging one. Um, have you ever bought anything from Ikea? Oh, yeah, I have bookshelves from Ikea. Because oh, the bookshelves really? from Ikea are bomb. They're awesome. They're easy to put together, and they're super sturdy. Wow. Oh. You don't hear that about Ikea every day. Okay, cool. We got I, a lot of Ikea stuff at our at our place uh, and a lot of bookshelves. They are they, they hold up. They're good. They take a while to put together because I'm not smart with that stuff. But uh, yeah, solid. Nobody is. Nobody is. Man. Good prices. Bookshelves. I tell Ikea. you, what, though, you go to Ikea and you're there for like nine hours because of the way they navigate you through the store. You have to see everything before you leave. I hate it's... how you have to walk through Ikea. It is one of the worst shopping experiences ever. I, you cannot just pop into an Ikea. Ikea is a four-hour experience, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> but the bookshelves are good. Um, well, would you rather go to Sam's Club or Costco? Costco. Good Actually, Never I, go to Costco Costco's on the weekend. It's a, it's a better business model. I mean, I don't go to either a lot because I don't buy in bulk a lot, but Costco's a they're kinder to their employees than the Walton family. And I don't know. I, I like the profit sharing stuff that they've done. You are well informed. Well done. Yes. Costco is actually a great place to work. It's always rated very, very highly. And those jobs are not very easy to get. Kudos to you. I had never shopped at a Sam's club once. Have you ever been to Sam's club, dearie? Uh, no, no. And I don't think I've ever been to a Costco. I'm not a guy who likes to go into the, the places to grocery shop especially now because everything we do is just pick up so it's so much easier i don't think i'll ever go into a grocery store again sarah who is your favorite fictional baseball player oh uh dotty henson nice <laughs> dotty yeah she was incredible she, short career but what a career it was i mean look at their own is I watched, I've watched a league of their own probably three times in the last five months. It's just when it's on, I just kind of have to watch it. I would totally agree with that. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. It's very watchable. It kind of flies by. The characters are great. The story's interesting. Um, it's got a little bit of everything. Kind of makes you, you know, think, makes you sad, makes you laugh. Uh, tough, tough to be those siblings. You know, the two siblings collide at home plate. Spoiler alert. 
but wow, you know, the movie well, is 29 so, years old, so. I mean, here's the question. Did she drop the ball on purpose? Like, I am steadfast that Dottie Henson did not drop the ball on purpose because it's just not in her nature to do that. Like, she would never give in. But, like, it's her relationship with her sister. So, like, do you make the split-second decision to drop the ball? She's the one who has pulled her sister out of game, says she didn't have the stuff anymore. Uh, yeah, I think like you're right. Said. Yeah, told, exactly. Hold the pitcher to throw high fastballs because Kit can't hit them. Exactly. So why would she give in all of a sudden on that? No, it was the one time where Kit got the best of her. In the World Series, in the ninth inning. Man. What do you think, dearie? Uh, she didn't drop it on purpose. She's too much of a competitor. There's there's just no way. But it leaves you with that kind of doubt at the end of the movie on whether she did or she didn't, which I kind of like. But there's no way she did. She, she was uh, <laughs> a beast behind home plate. She was a fantastic ball player. Okay, fine. Um, Sarah, curveballs or sliders? slider is the more impressive pitch like the wipeout slider is just one of those pitches that freezes batters the curveball kind of loops in there and it's like it's impressive don't get me wrong and like the this change is great but if you watch like a I, I actually was just watching Fergie Jenkins throw a slider somebody had posted this on Twitter and I watched that video like 15 times he just throws the batter right it's just a beautiful pitch there it is. Sliders are getting a little bit of run recently after a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot of curveballs being repeated to us in this segment. So it's good to know the sliders are getting a little bit of love. And speaking of love, Sarah, I think we know the answer for you on this, but we got to get to your opinion anyways. Is it for love or for money? Oh, obviously love. Always love. <laughs> like, you need enough money to survive, and then... That's like the threshold, and then everything else is love. <laughs> there it is. It's just that simple. Love is just dominating. We rarely get money responses. Love always wins, and that makes us happy. That's why we keep doing this pod, because we get to know that people care, and there is compassion out there. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to Sarah for being a good sport in Enrico's Inquisition. It's in the books. Well done. You're listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. That's right. It's two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Give me two. We're very excited to be talking with Sarah, and now it's time to settle in, strap in for the Fantasy Breakdown. That's right. We got a couple segments here. We're going to talk about some fantasy baseball. This is why you tune into the show, because you want to get people's opinions. What are we thinking What's on our mind? And our first segment, right off the bat, has to do with those crazy... Insane fantasy takes. Why you taking that play? Fantasy takes, that's right. Fantasy takes. Why you taking that play? Insane fantasy takes. These are essentially bold or... They're not hot takes. We're not trying to do hot takes. We just want people to step out there on a ledge and say, Hey, this is what I think. This is how I'm feeling. And I'm going to go for it. So, Sarah... You get the first choice here. Can you give us an intense, uh, unique, an original, a fresh fantasy take about a player or anything else related to fantasy baseball in 2021? I, I, here's my take, and I don't know how intense or insane this is, but <laughs> the I think Fernando Tatis is going way too high. And he is one of my favorite players. I adore him. The bat. bat 
clips for days. I think he's a superstar. I think if he keeps on the trajectory that he's on in five years, he's probably the face of the game. And we're talking about him the way that we used to talk about Bryce Harper. However, he has not played 162 games at this point in time. And in 2019, he was hurt for like a decent portion of the season. And so I just have a, I think that I see people drafting him ahead of Trout. And I think that is wild. I am like looking at some of these lists that have Fernando Tatis one or two and just all of that is, is bananas to me because I am going for a player like Trout or Mookie Betts or somebody that I know can do this and has done it for multiple seasons way before I'm going for Tatis. That's what I'm talking about. That is an insane fantasy take. No doubt about it. Hell yes. See, you didn't even know if it's going to be good or it was going to fit. You nailed it. That is a unique point of view because Tatis is going like a madman. I mean, people are drafting him number one overall. People I respect, number one overall. It's not a joke. And people are maybe giving him a little bit too much credit before he's given us a little more proof that he truly could be elite day in and day out. Well done, Sarah. Very cool. Uh, Jerry, what about you, man? What do you got for us? Clint Frazier of the New York Yankees is going to be a top 25 outfielder in fantasy this year. So this yeah. is a guy This is a guy we've been waiting on for a while. Got traded over the Yankees in 17, spent some time in the minors. He's kind of gotten some short kind of cup of teas up with the Yankees. Played in 39 games last year. Um, obviously, we throw out last year. But I think he's set to have a really good season. The guy is still young. He mashed in the minors when he was over in Cleveland. They really let him settle down in the minors with New York. I think he plays 150 games. He's set in the outfield for the Yankees, probably going to bet six or seventh. So he's going to get a ton of opportunities for RBIs. He's got some power. I think he hits 26 to 30 home runs. Yankees are going to score a ton of runs, so 80 to 90 runs is possible. And I think he could possibly get to 90 RBIs. He's shown flashes of speed in the past. I've seen him on the base pass. He's fast. He runs in the outfield fast. I think he can give you double-digit stolen bases. I think he's going to have a real good opportunity. And my bold take, insane in the membrane, he is going to be a top 25 outfielder this year. I like that a my, lot. I was looking at him last. Oh, go ahead, sir. My brother loves Cliff Frazier. He's like a huge Yankees fan, and I hear about Cliff Frazier all the time, and he's been the odd man out in the Yankees upfield for a while. I ADP, 180, ADP 184 right now. Yep. I think he yes. can sneak a lot higher than that. I mean, you look at some of the guys that are going after him. He's like the 50th outfielder right now. Um, I, I, I think he's got to at least be 15, 20 spots higher than that. Yes, yes, yes. I was drafting last night, and I was right there in that realm with the post-150, in-between 150-200 zone. I was like, oh, Clint Frazier. And I hadn't even considered Clint Frazier once in a draft so far. And for the first time, I stopped myself and said, oh, why am I not considering Clint Frazier? He's a very talented outfielder. He plays at Yankee Stadium. It's a great lineup to be a part of. He's got power. He's got the tools. What am I... I've been dismissing it because he always gets sent down or he doesn't get a chance to play every day, but eventually he's going to get his chance, and this could be the year where he finally gets to break out. I think it's a great call, Deary. I like it. I like what we're doing here. This is, segment is going great. For me, you got to call your shots. I think Xander Bogarts of the Boston Red Sox will finish as the top two shortstop overall in fantasy. Uh, Roto. Let's just call it Roto. I think he'll be the... 
top two, one or two finish overall, even though he's being drafted as the seventh or eighth shortstop off the board right now. I think he's vastly underrated. He has all the tools. He can swipe some bags. I mean, he's not Trey Turner-esque when it comes to swiping bags, but he'll get you 10 to 15 bags. I feel pretty confident in that. Also hits for power, hits for average, could score runs, and I think that lineup is undervalued. There's nothing that Xander Beauregard cannot do. And as very highly touted prospect coming up in the minor leagues and coming from the DR. People loved what they saw from this guy. And just like Yohan Moncada, very, very, very much salivating over what the guy can do. Bogarts has shown us what he can do. Moncada yet to do that quite yet. But I think Bogarts is in his prime of his career in a solid lineup. A full season, we're going to see some really great stats, and you can thank me later. Trust me. Although this guy's I, be I, 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 I love it, Mike. I've been reworking some of my rankings as I've been doing a deeper dive, and he is just jumping up my boards. I think he may end up with the highest batting average of any shortstop. He's going to give you over 25 home runs. 100 RBIs is easily doable, and if he can get – Upwards to maybe 15 stolen bases. I think he creeps up to where Lindor is right now as that like 3-4 shortstop. So I love it. 3-4 is a little different than 2. But I like like Xander too. He's um, been moving up my rankings as well. I I just think that top 2, I mean, now you're talking. You got to get into that Tatis conversation. And you got to get into that Seager, Lindor. I think Javier Baez has a comeback season in him. Although I don't think he's going to be top 2. They all can't be studs. So if someone's going to take a fall back and a guy like Xander Bogarts maybe takes that jump. So Sarah brought this up and it looks like it is happening live right now. Sarah, you want to go ahead and tell everybody what you're hearing? Yeah. I mean, as you were just talking about Xander's lineup, I was just going to say, it looks like that lineup just got a little bit weaker because Ben Intendi is going to the Royals uh, in a three-way deal that involves the Mets as well. So Stay tuned for what that deal actually looks like. But Andrew Benintendi no longer with the Red Sox. Yes. Well, we are live streaming. So if you are watching, be like, oh, shit, that's happening right now. Yes. Uh, Check your Twitter. Check Jeff Passan. He's reporting that outfield prospect Khalil Hill is expected to go to the New York Mets in a three-way deal with Boston and Kansas City that would send Benintendi to the Royals. Outfielder Franchi Cordero would go to the Red Sox. Ooh. That is very interesting. I'm moving Frenchy Cordero up my board immediately. I was yeah, just talking last week. I was just talking last week on how Ben did Ben Attendee, maybe a change of scenery might do uh, him some good. So I'm interested to see what he can do out there in KC. KC doesn't make moves like this either, though. So that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, this is interesting. Sarah, any other quick thoughts on this? I mean, I, I really like Ben Intendi. I sort of, he was the person that I was kind of hoping the Cubs would make some moves on back when I thought the Cubs might make moves to get better. Um, but <laughs> that didn't happen. So now I'm, now I just, I'm going to have to be content with the fact that he's a Royal. I, you know, the, that Royals lineup has some sneaky power in it. Um, you still got Jorge Soler there who I was looking at his numbers earlier today, just because he is one of the players that is absolutely not going to be affected by the new baseball when they deaden it. His shots are so far gone that they're still going to be gone. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like this. Uh, I would move Cordero up as well. And I'm kind of curious to see what this does to Ben and Tendi's ranking. 
Yeah, wow. So this is very, very interesting. Cool, okay. Well, that's... I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah. Yeah. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you're probably well-versed in this trade and you know everything about it and it's old news, but we are live too, so I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it when it happened in the moment. I I have a lot more interest between all the names I'm hearing right now. I don't know as much about Khalil Lee, so I'll reserve judgment on that, but I love this for Frenchy Cordero in Fenway. I'm a big fan. Power-speed combo. If he's going to start now, his playing time possibly was up in the air with Michael Taylor and Edward Olivares and a lot of outfielders over there in Kansas City, so... Hmm. Intriguing. Okay. Anywho, you're listening to the Hans Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Now it's time to talk about other fantasy stuff. And in this segment, it's called I Won't Do That. And when you say you won't do it, you got to stick to your guns because not everybody is willing to do that. There's a time and a place for everything. And sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm going to draft this guy if he's there, but if he's not, I'll take somebody else. When we say, I won't do that, we mean, I will not do it. I'm not going to draft somebody, or I'm not going to take a person at a certain situation. It can vary, and you're welcome to put your own spin on it, everybody here on the show. But I just want everybody to know that's kind of how it works, because sometimes I think it's a good thing to kind of make a declaration. Don't you think, Derry? It's a good thing to like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a declaration in this. I'm going to be standing my ground. You got to stand by your word. You make a prediction. You stick with it. And if you are wrong, that's okay. No one will hate you. We'll still love you. Just accept it. <laughs> exactly. See, Sarah, this is how I think about it. I'm pretty open-minded, and I like to change my opinions if I get information that makes me do that. But... Sometimes it's good to make like a bottom line opinion and just stick to it, right? Oh, absolutely. And I I mean, you know, there's always a little bit of wiggle room here. If one of these guys falls to you like five rounds after they were supposed to go, you might need to change your assumptions or something. But I am all for <laughs> making a stand where it matters. All right. That's what we like to hear. So in this segment, I would do anything for a pick, but I won't do that. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a cover of Meatloaf, yes. If you've never heard the song. I would do anything for an ace. I'd sacrifice my first five picks. I would do anything for an ace. I'd even draft play second round two. But I'll never forget the way I felt when I drafted Mike Soroka. 2020, I would do anything for an ace, but I won't do that. Can't do it. No, I won't do that. That's right. So, hey, sometimes you just got to take a stand. So, let's start off first with Sarah. Tell me, who will you not draft this year? I'm not buying Trevor Bauer. Um, and I understand why people like Trevor Bauer. I saw last season too, and I saw the end of 2019 and I get what people are looking for there. I think that Trevor Bauer has not demonstrated a consistent stretch for a long enough period of time as an ace to be drafted where he's currently being drafted. And I think that there is a decent amount of evidence that a lot of his improved performance 
has to do with um, what he figured out with some spin rate stuff. And I don't, I don't know how long that is sustainable. I think that's one of those things that MLB could crack down on a new team could mess around with just, uh, there's a lot about Trevor Bauer that I don't think is particularly it's, it's not compelling enough to me based on where he's being drafted right now. I understand that he won a Cy Young in 60 games and that's great. Uh, I would much rather get a pitcher who's got more of a track record behind them for where he's being drafted right now. NFBC.com ADP since January 25th. He's going between nine and 23. And that's an average of 15 overall. Uh, Yeah, not really feeling that in my own personal opinion, but I think I can agree with what Sarah's saying there. Uh, Deary, who you got? I'm going to go with the closer for the Indians, James Karinchak. He only has 32 innings at the major league level. I understand he is going to strike out a ton of guys. He has a filthy, filthy breaking ball. But that goes along with an extremely high walk rate. It was always high through the minors. He is going to have some really, really volatile outings where he's going to give up a lot of runs. He gets in serious trouble with men on base. Uh, Mid three ERA, probably only a fastball curveball guy. Um, And he throws that curveball 48% of the time. Veteran major league hitters are going to show some patience. This guy is going to be a good closer in the league, but I don't think it's this year. I think it's crazy that he's going ahead of a guy who has more of a track le- record like a Ryan Presley. So I'm out on James Karinchek. I will not do that. Not this year. And I'm probably avoiding him, you know, maybe even next year too. I don't know if he ends up sticking in that role as their closer. Good stuff, but we'll see. I mean, the walk rate is just too high for me, and it's going to be really scary. I think he has some crazy games. And I don't think the Indians are going to win a ton of games. I have them as the fifth worst offense in the league. They have the sixth best pitching staff, which will help them out. But I am out on James Karinchak. I am sorry. On this very show a couple weeks ago, uh, could have been a week ago. Gosh, we've done so many shows. Shelly Veristrate, who's a prospects guru, said on this show that she preferred Emmanuel Kles as opposed to Karen Check. So, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot since she said that. I respect people who know more about certain areas than I do. So in my drafts, I've kind of been making an adjustment related to that. Slowing my roll a little bit on Karen Check. Good call, dearie. Uh, for me, it's Christian Javier of the Houston Astros. Came on the scene last year. And was really just good. He was good. I I can't default or I can't fault him and say, hey, you know what? What he did last year was bogus. But I'm going to try to because even though he put up some good numbers, his velocity was going down from start to start. And I wasn't really buying what I was seeing. He doesn't strike out as much as I would like to see him strike out, even though he had a K-9 of 9, 54 Ks in 54 to third innings. His whiff percentage was pretty weak last year. I, I, I've i got concerns about him. I don't think that he's going to be able to induce the kind of contact that he did last year. It looks great. You know, elite contact rate, low hard hit percentages, his ex-Wobacon, his ex-Woba. Expected batting average, these were all in the top percentiles. His expected ERA was even lower than the ERA that you saw. But I still feel like it was kind of a fluke, and he caught some breaks. And I've I've got some concerns about who he can be, especially if you're looking at a long, full season. 
You're trying to get somebody who can give you 162 games played and pitch 150 innings at least. I don't see him doing that at all. He'd be a nice relief guy, swing guy. If you want to draft him as somebody who can pitch 100 innings or less, do that. But do not expect 150 innings from this guy. I'm very suspect of him, and I'm going to be avoiding him. And we'll find out if I'm right or wrong. Uh, Sarah, who else you got? Uh, I think Teoscar Hernandez is going way too high right now. And I see a lot of people sort of talking about the power breakout. And is it real? I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I think that he still has a 30% strikeout rate and that has not changed. That's a lot of K's that you're drafting pretty early on. Um, and I, the other thing there that really jumps out at me that is always a red flag for me when I'm looking at players his BABIP in uh, 2020 was 348, which is about 40 points higher than his career number there, which says to me that he was getting really lucky. And a lot of the RBIs and run production that he was giving you in 2020 is probably not going to sustain itself into 2021. So I would avoid Teoscar Hernandez. There it is. He stings the hell out of the ball, and he's got speed, and he's coming in the prime of his career. But is it worth, is the juice worth the squeeze, as uh, they like to say in that old movie from many years ago, The Girl Next Door? That was the thing. Deary, who else you got? Go ahead before me. My stuff is kind of frozen up right now. Sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when you do a live show, everybody. <laughs> Crazy things can happen. Sure, I'll go. No problemo. I'm happy to help. So I was thinking really hard about this one guy, and his name's Lance McCullers. This is another guy on the Houston roster. I have not drafted him once, and I've been planning to avoid him. I just can't trust the health. I believe in what he does. He's always had a ERA under four in his career. In fact, his career ERA is like 3.81, I think. Uh, 3.70 career ERA. That's nice. That's very good. It's not elite, but it's definitely something I would have in my squad. You just can't trust whether he's going to be healthy. The curveball is incredible. He threw, like, no fastballs last year, all curveballs, which is fine. Maybe he could make a living off of that. But I'm suspect of it, and even though I know he can be elite at times, I can't trust that I can lock him in again for another 150-plus innings. I'm looking for starters that I can have go at least 150, a 130 at the minimum. And I'm talking about starting pitchers here, so make sure we make that distinction. I like Lance McCullers' curveball, but I just don't want to be involved with it this year. How about now, Deary? Yeah, we're ready to go. All right. So I've really, really been deep diving a lot further into a lot of guys. I put up a poll on Twitter today about a couple second basemen of who you would prefer between Brandon Lau, Jeff McNeil, and Cabin Biggio. Right now, Lau is in the lead with about 91 votes. I want to talk about Kevin Biggio. A couple weeks ago, I was saying how much I was buying into this guy, and I'm really looking further into it. At an ADP of 62 in a 5x5 league, I cannot buy into the price. He's going to struggle with the batting average. Pitchers are really going to challenge him more. He had some difficulty with the fastball last year. His hard hit rate is nothing to be running, running around the block about. Exit velocity, not that great. He was below average against that fastball in 2020 in terms of, you know, fastballs above above average. And he, I think he pulls the ball a little too much. Can he steal 25 bases? I really don't think so. I, most projections have him anywhere from 10 to 15. So I think that's bringing him down. And as I was reworking 
my second base rankings, I actually have him as the 10th second baseman. I have guys like Max Muncie ahead of him, Jeff McNeil ahead of him, Keston Hira ahead of him. I even have Jose Altuve ahead of him. I think Kevin Biggio is going to be a very good ball player, and he's going to be a good fantasy asset, especially if you're playing in OBP leagues. But five by five leagues, I think it's going to take another year. So he's going to need a little bit more seasoning. So I am out on the price of Kevin Biggio this year. Solid choice. Uh, Sarah, one more. So this is a player that I actually like at a lower price, but I've seen him moving up in boards lately, and I don't think that I would take him where he's currently being drafted. Uh, Starling Marte is going a little too high for me, and I just don't feel like I, I could draft him that high. The thing that bothers me about the Starling Marte pick is less about Marte and more about who he plays for. I do not think that the Marlins are what they showed in 60 games last year. If you look at some of their projections for next season, it, it just doesn't look like they're going to be in the playoff hunt. It's going to be driving in a lot of runners, all of those types of things. So I think that people are kind maybe giving a little too much credit for what the Marlins did last year, moving Starling Marte up uh, accordingly. He's also, I think, and I, I got to grab this really quick. Uh, yeah, he's going to be 33. Um, at the end of this season. And that's right about the time that you start running a little bit less. I mean, it's just, it seems a little bit risky where he's currently going right now. Risky business. I actually drafted Starling Marte in the Battle of the Podcast League, which is run by Zach Waxman, who is the Draft Champions podcast, which uh, is a great podcast, by the way. Please listen to it. You will not regret it. Trust me on that one. But... We could disagree, Sarah. It's okay. I, I understand why you'd rather wait. And it would be nice if I could get him. If I could have got him 15, 20 picks later, I would have loved it. I think I got him around uh, like 50, 50-ish or so. And yeah. yeah, see, I love him at like 75, 80. I just, 50 is like, that's one of my first, what, four or five picks? Like that is, uh, that's, I, I, re- I really want that pick to go to somebody else. Yeah, you, you really wonder at his age, now that he is 33, if he's still going to be able to steal 25 bases. And I think if you can bank on those 25 stolen bases, I think the ADP is right around where it should be. But if it takes a massive drop there um, and he's not able to score enough runs there, I think the batting average will still be there. But uh, I, I might be on board with that, sir. Yeah, I think he's going to do that. It's a free agent year for him. I think he wants to prove himself, get one more deal. And I like this Marlins team, so I'm buying in on Marte. Uh, Deary, who you got? One more. Uh, so I hate to do it to the guy because he is someone who has shown so much heart over his career, went through a lot of you know, mental instability early in his career, and he's really, really done a lot to work on himself, not only as you know dealing with mental illness, but also as a ball player. And he's put in so many amazing innings over the years. I'm going to go with Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke is 37 years old. Uh, In 2020, there was a drop in his fastball by about three miles per hour. And that really kind of brings back the fact that he throws that change up 20% of the time. And he needs that big speed variance between the two. Um, Also, you know, with that Mickey Mouse curveball he's got. Um, Change ball, change up and curveball was not effective last year. And the pitch values runs above average. Um, and he was really, really bad last year behind the count. Going back to 2019, he had really struggled his second time through the order. He's now 37 years old. He's put in a lot of innings. That arm has a lot of mileage. You know, 
keep track in spring training what that fastball is looking like. If he is still continuing to throw 86, 87 miles per hour, I think there's some concern there. I still think he probably eats up a lot of innings this year, but I think that ERA is probably going to be around you know, little above four, maybe four and a half where he's going right now. I like a guy like Pablo Lopez a little more. So I'm out on Grinky this year. Bye-bye out on Grinky. Well, that's how it goes sometimes. And there it is. That's how it's done. We would do anything, almost anything for a lot of players. We really would, but we just wouldn't do what we just told you we wouldn't do. Peruse it. Make your own opinions, break down the data, and come to your own conclusions because, you know, we like to think we know what we're doing, but there are no absolutes in fantasy baseball, and we can be wrong. We admit that freely, but we're giving you our best guesses on this date, February 10th, 2021. You're listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking with Sarah Sanchez from Cup of Cubby Blue Podcast, which is a great podcast that she does with our other friend, Andy Cruz. Shout out, Andy. Hope you're having a good time out there and living the best life that you should be because we all deserve to be living the best life that we all deserve. Isn't that correct? And Bleed Cubby Blue from SB Nation. Check out Sarah's stuff. You won't regret it. BCB underscore Sarah, S-A-R-A. No H. And are you proud of the fact that there's no H in your name? I I am because the name is not Sarah. It doesn't make any sense. Sarah Ha! Sarah! Yes. That's good. I like that. Okay, now it's time for the last segment of our fantasy breakdown. And yeah, it's kind of a Tom Petty tribute. You know, we're not going to back down. We're going to stand our ground on these picks. Those, that's what we're going to do. Well, I won't back down. I love Sam Brown. You can counter with data that makes me frown, but I. Yeah, I know Sarah didn't like that part there. Not, I'm not going to draft Bauer in the first <laughs> round per se, but that's opinions that people have, not me. So, uh, All right, so Sarah, why don't you start it off? Who's the player that you're not going to back down from? You're going to stand your ground, stand tall on this. I love Kyle Schwarber, and I think that a change of <laughs> The great Schwarbino! That's right. A change of scenery is going to do him good. I actually am furious that the Cubs non-tendered Kyle Schwarber. I think that... He has, he still at this moment has the upside of being an elite DH type hitter. The person that Theo always kind of compared him to, and in my mind, the reason Theo would never do what Hoyer did in terms of non-tendering him or trading him or whatever, was David Ortiz. And what Theo knows about David Ortiz is that David Ortiz got DFA'd by the Twins and then became a Hall of Fame DH for the Red Sox. So. I'm not saying that Kyle Schwarber is going to like magically turn into big poppy in 2021, but I do think that's the upside. 
And I think that in, at the end of 2019, and, and I'm really just going to, I'm going to pass on some of the 2020 data with Schwarber and some other players, because frankly, I think that the lack of video and some other things actually made it really hard to evaluate such a small season. At the end of 2019, Kyle Schwarber was absolutely mashing and put together a ridiculous slash line. And I think that he's going to go into a new ballpark. He's going to have a new team, a new circumstance where he can kind of figure some stuff out. And I would not be shocked to see him have a 40 home run season. And you can get him pretty cheap right now. Oh, that is an interesting comparison. David Ortiz DFA'd becomes a Hall of Famer. Wow, that is... I got to say, I like the comp. I just wonder if uh, we'll see the same results. But not that you're saying either. You didn't say clearly that's going to happen, but it's an interesting similarity where somebody saw a guy who was not quite performing to where he could have been, and then he went out, got a fresh start, and became... We all know and love is Big Poppy. That's very cool. Good call, Sarah. Deary, what about you? I'm going to go with Aaron Hicks of the New York Yankees. So Aaron Hicks had TJ surgery, um, said he was still feeling some effects in December. So he's really going to be looking to stay healthy in 2021. This guy has an incredible eye at the plate. All through his career, we're looking at 14, 15%, you know, uh, or, or walk rate. Um the way the offense is constructed with the way he can get on base, having that good eye, he really fits closer to the top end of the lineup. I've seen spots where maybe they move Judge to three and Hicks bats two. We've seen Hicks bat cleanup. We've seen Hicks bat third. So this will allow for a lot of runs for him if he can get the playing time, obviously. I think he has a chance to get 550 plate appearances. Going back to 2018, he had a really big breakout for the Yankees. 27 home runs, 90 runs. 79 RBIs and double digit stolen bases. He's 31 years old. So he, I think he still has a little bit of speed. The question is going to be, how does that arm feel? Do they feel comfortable slotting him in center field? Maybe they move him out to one of the corners. Maybe they've moved out to left. Clint Frazier plays center who has played center field before. Aaron Hicks is a guy who's kind of forgotten about and can really give you a lot of good value. A guy who's going to get on base Nice bat from the left side, and he's going to be able to hit home runs in that park. So 25 home runs is not out of the question. And if he's at that top of the lineup, near the top of the lineup, 85 runs and maybe double-digit steals. So I think Aaron Hicks is not someone I'm going to back down on. Very impressive. I've had some great seasons with Aaron Hicks, especially in OBP leagues. Definitely a friend of mine. A friend of ours, too. For me... I was thinking about Miguel Sano. I'm not going to back down on him. And people poo-poo Miguel Sano because he doesn't give you everything. But he can give you a lot of power. And you can also get a value on it because he's going later in drafts around like you know 180 or later. And that is a first baseman. I don't see... I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference between Matt Olson and Miguel Sano. I really don't. There could be a slight batting average bump for Olsen, but it won't even be that great. And I think Sano can out-homer Matt Olsen. So if you're looking for a first baseman that is going to give you what you want, Miguel Sano, if he plays at least 130 games, he's going to hit 40 home runs. I feel pretty confident in that. 130 games, really. He, he can go on a tear. It's part of his nature. We've seen it in shortened efforts before where he hit 34 home runs. In, it was 105 games in 2019. <laughs> 34 home runs and 439 plate appearances. 
Imagine if he got to play another 40 games. He would have cracked 50. So that's what he does. He crushes the ball. We all know he has incredible stat cast power numbers and stings the hell out of it. And he's going to be in a good lineup. Minnesota's a playoff team. They always score a lot of runs. So give me some Miguel Sano all day long. And I won't back down from that. I won't. Uh, Sarah, why don't you give us one more? Pick one more you would like to share. Awesome. Um, I like Miguel Sano too, by the way. He almost made my list. The player I'm going to go with here is Reese Hoskins. It was not that long ago that Reese Hoskins was being uh, drafted as an elite, like top tier first baseman. And then in 2019, the Phillies messed around with his swing and he really tailed off. And so if you draft, if you like me drafted Reese Hoskins in 2019, you probably got burned by that. And you're, and a lot of people are gun shy, which is why he's not in that top tier first baseman category right now. But the thing is he, he went back to his old swing in 2020. Uh, The exit velocity numbers were actually a little bit higher than he's ever had in his career. WRC plus was at 140. And with the Phillies bringing back JT Real Muto and DD Gregorius, he is in a, a on a team in a division where he's going to compete. He's going to get a lot of chances. So I like Reese Hoskins a lot more than where he's being drafted right now. I think there's a lot of value. There. Oh boy. Me and Reese Hoskins have had some good times together. <laughs> some of the best of times. He was my pal. He really is. And I'm rooting for him to be healthy and have a great year. Deary, give us one more. I think Nick Senzel is getting a little undervalued here. So this is a guy who was a superstar prospect for the Reds. Came up in 19 in 104 games, 12 home runs, 55 runs, 14 stolen bases, batted 256. That's pretty respectful. This is a guy that all through the minors, he was just a BABIP monster. Pretty much 300, 340, 310 in terms of his batting average to go with a BABIP of 378, 391. He makes contact. He's getting a base hit. He's got the speed to swipe some bags. Now, the interesting thing is what happens with the outfield situation. You got Akiyama there. You got a, you got Castellanos who cannot play the field, but will probably be slotted in right field if there's no DH. The good thing with Senzel is he can play all over the diamond. His natural position is probably third base, but he can also play second base a little bit. Interested, interested to see what happens with like Joey Votto, who's really getting up there in age. Does Votto get more days off? You've moved Mustakas over to first. Senzel could go over and maybe play second. So where is he going to fit in with that lineup? Is Jesse Winker going to be able to get full time at bats out there in left field? He showed a good, you know, a good acumen last year uh, in the shortened season. Throw out the 23 games for Senzel last year. He's still super young, and I think he has a really good chance to break out. So I'm not going to back down on people that are trying to tell me that it's over for Senzel. He's way too young, and he's too talented. There it is. We're not backing down. Don't forget it. Well done, guys. I like the names we're throwing out here. We're getting some great advice and opinions. It's good stuff. We want to thank everybody for being a part of the segment. That's our fantasy breakdown. And that comes to a close on the Hans Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Remember, the Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. You can send us an email. Please send us emails. We love emails. We just don't seem to get enough of them. I want more of them. I demand it. Please give us an email for the love of everything that's holy. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. Give me two. We thank you so much for doing that. And... If you could find maybe five minutes, give us a five-star rating. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. That's right. It helps the show grow and makes things better for us. 
and then we can have on more fun guests like Sarah. So if you like what you're hearing and you want to be a part of the experience, hook us up with that five-star review. We'd be very grateful. Wouldn't we be, dearie? Five stars and everything. Six stars if you can. Uh, that'd be great if you could do that. I don't Maybe that's I mean, who's going cheap. out there and putting like one star on someone's pod, especially in this community? Oh, they're out there, dude. Come on. They're out there. there. There's some cool. There's some people who are, you know, they're struggling inside and they take it out on others. All right. Now it is time for one of my favorite segments. As always, if you listen to the show, it's called Shine or Ride the Pine. And this is the Cubs edition this time. We're going to test our old friend Sarah Sanchez and see what she has to say about her Cubs this year. Things don't always work out, you know, Sarah. In we played Shine and Ride the Pine before last season, and I'd like to play you one sample. <laughs> this is you, I think, oh, no. on July, June 23rd, June 17th. This was episode 23. You and Andy came on, and you had this to say, I believe. Bryant, will he have an OBP? If he's going to be leading off, this would be nice. An OBP of 400 or higher, Sarah. Can he do it? Yeah, I say Shine. KB, KB has an awesome eye at the plate. He's going to get a lot of opportunities to drive the ball. It's K, I think KB is going to take his walks, drive the ball, and he will have an OBP over 400. He's only done it once in his career. Jordan season, though. That could be <laughs> oh, what that an is... asshole I am. <laughs> hey, okay, Sarah, he's only done it once. <laughs> I'm so not sorry, only did Sarah. he not have an OBP over 400, I think it was under 300. KB had an absolutely terrible 2020. Short season for Look, the loss. Short season, short season, Sarah. Dumb. Maybe it'd be yeah. a little different if there was more games. Yeah, that was really dumb, man. Uh, look, we could have played a bunch of clips of us making mistakes and not calling the proper predictions on 2021 expectations or 2020 expectations. We're wrong all the time, but we had to pick on you there a little bit, which also shows that you're part of the show because you got a lineage here and you got like a history, which is cool. So not everybody has that. Anywho, new beginnings. Fresh. 2021. We're supposed to have a full season, so we're going to base this on a full season, all right? So if for some reason things go to hell... You know, you'll be off the hook regardless. So this is just for 162. The Chicago Cubs have made some changes. I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a few things that have gone differently recently. And uh, <laughs> we're going to use Steve Paulo's projections today. Um, shout out to my band, Carm Mayorano, by the way, who's a Roto Fanatic guru. He's got some projections. We're going to use them. I just couldn't quite get them ready to go today for today's show. But we will start incorporating them into the show as well, Carm. So don't worry. Follow Carm on Twitter, at Carm's Clubhouse. He's a Chicago guy, by the way. He's a Cubs, huge Cubs dude. Loves his Cubs, Sarah. So it would have been nice to include those in today's. But that's not how it goes. So first things first. We're going to go with our first Cub of the night. And uh, he is somebody that, you know, you're a fan of, Javi Baez. And there's some weak trade offers coming from Yankees fans that are not going to cut it for him. But in 2021, can we expect to have 11 or more steals from Javi Baez? Ooh, um, you know, here's the thing about that. I I want to say yes, because I love it when Javi runs, and that's right around what he's done in a full season normally. I'm going to say no, because this Cubs team has not been running very much in the past few years, and... They always trick you. So I'm just going to warn people right now, this is going to happen again. In spring training, they will run a lot. It's like they're practicing to run in the regular season. And then the regular season will happen. They'll get real gun try on bases. 
And Javi, um, Javi's stolen base numbers have been going down for a few seasons now. So I don't think he's going to have 11. I love it when he runs. He's, I've watched him steal home, I think, two or three times in his career. And every time it's magic. But I, I just don't think he's going to be running that much this year. Deary? Yeah, I'm out on that. He just doesn't he doesn't get on base enough. I actually do think he has a little bit of a bounce back from the 59 games last year, but I, I don't think he's going to do it. I think he gets a hair under double digits. Yeah, that's a tough one. It really is. Don't know how that's going to go. I'd probably say under if I had to guess. Um, Anthony Rizzo, who both Deary and I like a lot this year to have an excellent 2021, despite some of the negativity around him. Can we expect Anthony Rizzo to have a 366 OBP or better. Say that you broke up very slightly on the exact number. Three what six? 366. I'm going to go with yes on that. I think that Anthony Rizzo is a... he's He's been a pretty consistent on-base machine for the Cubs, and he understands his role, right? Like, he's not the guy who's out there trying to do everything all the time. My personal favorite thing about Rizzo, I don't know how many of your uh, listeners are Cubs fans and watch this, but he is one of those power hitters who chokes up with two strikes. And so whenever you're watching Rizzo at the plate and he gets into a two strike count, he chokes up because he'd rather make contact and just get on base than try to blast a ball off over the right field wall. He does that sometimes with the choked up bat anyway, but uh, he really prioritizes getting on base, and I think that he's going to have a bounce back year, and I can see him here in 366. It's not a thing he's done frequently. I just think that I think this is going to be a good year for him. Deary, what do you think? Yeah, he's going he's gonna to crush that. Uh, he'll probably be closer to a 370, 380. His career, career average OBP is 372. He's definitely due for a big bounce back. Last year was just really stupid. Batted 222. He actually had a 342 OBP last year, so he still could show that he could get on base. Um, and he's going to have some nice power this year as well. So I think he crushes that. One Crush added it. point. One added point about Rizzo, um, just generally, his BABIP last season was 218. So if you're looking for somebody who had a lot of bad luck last year, I think that Rizzo is high on the list of people that's going to come back. Yeah, I'll shine that all day. I'm with you. I love it. Ian Happ, last year's darling, had a fun little season. People finally are starting to buy into him on the reg. But in 2021, can we expect Ian Happ to score 77 or more runs, Sarah. 77 or more runs. Absolutely, yes. And here's why. Ian Happ's bounce back in 2020 actually stretches back to when he joined the team again in 2019 in September after he spent the vast majority of 2019 in AAA. And so if you take Ian Happ back to, I think he came back like at the very end of August, and launched a ball. It was one of the longest home runs I've seen in the last five years at Wrigley Field. It just like cleared the concourse practically out there. Ian Happ's for real. He's a switch hitter. He's going to get a ton of playing time. And frankly, like I think he's going to be, he was the most valuable player on the Cubs last year. I'm looking at these ADP rankings and they're like, they've got Chris Bryant going ahead of Ian Happ. They've got Anthony Rizzo going ahead of Ian Happ. They've got Wilson Contreras, my favorite, going ahead of Ian Happ. Ian Happ was the most valuable player on the Cubs last season. So I think Ian Happ is going to have a monster year. You know, he tailed off a little bit at the end of 2020 and kind of took himself out of that MVP conversation. But yeah, I think 77 runs, that's definitely a thing he's going to do. 
Theory, 77 runs or more. Yeah, I've talked about Hap a couple times on the show. I love Ian Hap this year. I think he has a huge breakout, uh, gets on base with a really good eye, excellent BABIP. I think he scores close to 90 runs when he's leading off for the Cubs this year. So I'm a huge Ian Hap fan this year. Yep, I'm going to shine that too. I like what I'm seeing. Cubs could be in for a fun year. We're talking about Cubs projections. Shiner by the Pine segment here with Sarah Sanchez from Cup of Cubby Blue podcast. Sarah, how about our old pal Kyle Hendricks? You love his change. It's a lot of fun. Will he throw so many of them that he'll accrue 192 innings or more in this coming season? I think... So that's an interesting question, particularly for 2021, given the shortened season last year, because I think he only threw like 80 innings or 81 innings last season. Um, Kyle Hendricks is going to be the ace of the Cubs, and it's not going to be a question for the first time in his career. And the thing that Kyle Hendricks does better than just about any other pitcher in the major leagues right now is he is efficient, right? The number of times that I have watched Kyle Hendricks flirt with a Maddox is insane. No other pitcher who's pitching right now does what Kyle Hendricks does, where he's like, yeah, I'm just going to throw nine innings and I'm going to do it in like 81 pitches and it's going to be fine. Uh, he threw a complete game shutout to start the season last year in his first opening game start. Remember that. He is going to have to anchor this rotation. And as long as he doesn't get hurt, and he hasn't been hurt um, since I think 2017 when he dealt with some ten- tendon issues in his throwing hand. I think that Kyle Hendricks is going to be real close to 200 innings. Deary, what do you think? Yeah, Sarah kind of stole my thunder just by saying how efficient he is. I mean, he will have 85 pitches and it'll be a complete game. I mean, 47% walk rate or uh, ground ball rate, I'm sorry. Uh, he's got a good defense behind him with Rizzo on the corner and, you know, Baez up the middle. He's not going to strike out a ton of people, but he's also going to walk like nobody and he's not going to give up home runs. Sarah said he's going to be the ace. I mean, it's a lot of innings, but he's going to do it efficiently, and he may be one of the few guys, I think, that gets to 200 innings this year, barring any injuries. Yeah, I have no doubt about what Hendricks can offer, but I'd probably ride the pine on 192. I think 180 is fine, and if he brings that, that's still a solid season. Chris Bryant, subject of trade rumors and frustrations and maybe needs a fresh start, yada, yada, yada. Last year, we did Chris Bryant's OBP. This year, we're going to give you an exact number. This shows you how far the show has come, by the way. We used to just kind of throw out a rough number, an over-under. Now we give you an exact projection number, courtesy of Steve Paulo's Stomper Projections. And you can make your own decision, Sarah. Steve has Bryant down for a three. 41 OBP. Can he do a 341 OBP or higher? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. And you can obviously cut this clip and like when if he doesn't do it, pull it and put it on here again. But aside from last year's shortened season, Chris Bryant has had an OPB over 341 every season he's been in the major leagues. Um, every projection system that I'm looking at has it right around 350, 360. Uh, And I think that's about right. I think that, I don't know what is going on. I I don't know where the MVP and rookie of the year went. I know that he's dealt with some injuries. I know that it's been hard with all the trade rumors for him to like keep his head in the game. Every now and again, Chris Bryant kind of channels this like, I'm just going to compete and have fun guy. And I think if he does that, he's going to have a pretty good season. But either way, 
I think that he's going to clear 341. Deary, what do you say? Oh, man. So, like, his hard hit rate is down a ton. His EV is down a ton. But he's still going to walk. I don't believe he's going to strike out 27% of the time last year. Did you say 341? That's correct. That's, that's, that's low. That's low. You can have a bad season and still go above that. I don't think him, he bats. Low, I, yeah. I don't think he bats 206. I think even if he bats 240, 250, I think he can still surpass that. So I will say shine on that. I want to shine it too. 341. I think he can top that even if he stinks. That's just his profile. I think it's a bare minimum that he can cover. Uh, a couple more. We'll wrap it up here. Craig Kimbrough. What a disappointment he was. Tough times for him. Uh, you've broken down some of the issues that he was having last season. I remember reading about it, and I'm actually excited about Kimbrough this season. I wonder if you feel the same, Sarah. Can we expect 31 or more saves from Kimbrough this year? A tall oh, number. A tall number from Mr. Uh, Steve Follow here going, I'm kind of su- I'm kind of surprised by it, but uh, yeah, 31 or more saves. So... I, I like Kimbrell a lot more than I did when I wrote the piece that, like, ranted that he shouldn't be the Cubs closer. And the reason is that the point of that piece was that Kimbrell clearly had mechanical issues that were nobody was swinging at his curveball early in the season. There was, like, a three- or four-game stretch where he blew every single save that he was called in for, where he did not get a single swing at his curveball. Uh, the Cubs fixed that. I, I don't know exactly what they did. They said something about his release point was a little bit, his slot was a little bit off and they fixed it. And he started getting whiff, whiff rate on his curveball again. People would actually swing at it. That was great, you know, and it made him a much better pitcher. I just don't know how many, if he's going to get all of the save opportunities for the Cubs next season, because they also have Rowan Wick. And Rowan Wick has never had a moment where we're all kind of like, oh my God, is Rowan Wick going to be okay? So I think hmm. that Kimbrell might not actually get all of the save opportunities early. And I think that might, and I don't know how good the Cubs are going to be. Like, I want to kind of temper things here a little bit. Most projections have them like right around an 82 win team. That's kind of where I think they are. The entire NL Central is right around 82 wins. <laughs> I just don't know that you're going to get 31 saves playing for an 82 win team. Deary, what do you say? 31 more saves. I, I like Fred Kimbrell, and I, I like where he's going in drafts. I think he gives you some really good value later to be your kind of second closer on your fantasy squad. I don't know how many guys in the whole league are going to get 31 saves. A lot of teams have kind of been going to this committee where, you know, guys are going two days in a row, and then we're going to go with somebody else. Maybe someone comes into the eighth, and then they go and finish the ninth. If Kimbrell has a really good year, which I could maybe see 20, 21, 22 saves, watch out for him possibly being traded. I think they could get some value coming back. Cubs have some other younger arms. And maybe he goes to a contender, and maybe he closes there and then amasses 31. But I think maybe he gets traded, and he's just another bullpen piece. 31 is a lot of saves, so I'm going to go ride the pine on that. Oh, ride the pine. I understand. I am going to shine this. I believe Kimbrell. Actually, I'm going to ride the pine on it. Sorry, I'm riding the pine because I believe he will be doing well, but then he'll get traded and then he might not be able to close for other teams. So you got to think about that. I'm going to ride the pine, although I do like Kimbrell this year to bounce back in this season. Zach Davies is a new member of your Chicago Cubs, Sarah. Can we expect 13 or more quality starts from Zach Davies this year? 
I'm so frustrated that Zach Davies is on the Cubs that I don't even want to answer this question. Um, no, I don't think you can. And it's not that I don't like Zach Davies. He's a fine pitcher. He's a great guy to have as your like number three or four starter. He's not a really good guy to have as your number two starter, and he's certainly not you, Darvish. I don't think that Zach Davies is going to go long enough into games to get that many quality starts. I think that you're going to see him get through the fifth inning, and the Cubs will be very happy that they have gotten through the fifth inning, and they will go to their bullpen. What do you say, Deary? That's a lot of quality starts. Uh, Zach Davies made a big change last year when he was with the Padres. Started throwing the changeup a lot more. Started throwing it 41% of the time. And it's mainly because his fastball just tops out at 88. I mean, that's, that's you know, um, that's batting practice speed right there. He's got a couple other pitches in the mix, you know, with a curveball. Um, kind of did away with the slider. A lot more with the changeup. 13 is a lot. I mean, he's a serviceable three or four guy, like Sarah said, but 13 is a lot of quality starts. I don't think he starts a full 32 for them. Uh, so I'm going to say ride the pine on it. All right. Yeah, I'm going to shine that. I feel it's going to happen. I don't know why, but I just feel it. And then finally, the last guy, Jason Hayward. Had a really nice season last year. He was really arguably their second-best player behind uh, Mr. Happ. Jason Hayward, can he have more than 14 home runs in the coming season? Okay, I'm going to ride the pine on this, but I need to caveat it because I really like Jason Hayward, and I like what he did in 2020. I like what he did at the end of 2019. I think he has been the guy that the Cubs paid $180 million to. Like I, I am a huge Jason Hayward fan. I think that the ball being deadened is going to impact Jason Hayward's home runs. And I think that it's going to come back a little bit. He doesn't hit those monster shots you see from like a Rizzo or from a Ian Happ or from a Wilson Contreras. He hits those shots that kind of barely clear the fence a little bit. And so I think Jason Hayward is somebody that you're going to see have some balls that would have gone out in 2019 and 2020 be long outs in 2020. But I love Jason Hayward. I think people should draft him, and I think he's super underrated. Sure. No, I understand what you're saying there. I, I'm respecting it, and I kind of empathize with it. Deary, what do you say? What What's the number? 14. Oh, God, it's right there. You know, Sarah made some great points there. He's a line drive hitter, a line drive ground ball hitter that finds, finds some holes. He had a really good 2019 season, and, you know, he looked pretty good last year. I think he could give you a little bit of fantasy value, especially if you have, like, an OBP league. But, uh, you know, I remember when he debuted in 2010 with the Braves in his first game, and he hit a home run. I'm like, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's unbelievable. He's still only 31 years old. I'm still a believer in Jason Hayward. You know what? Jason Hayward's going to hit 18 home runs this year. I'm going to say shine. Wow, that is impressive. I can't believe you went for it, man. Okay, I can respect that. Funky butt loving. Well done, sir. I respect it, but I'm going to ride the pine. I'm with Sarah's concept. Same ideal. I like him as a player, what he showed me last year, but I think I think he's going to hit like 12 home runs, but he could hit 280 or something like that. And if he steals 10 or more bags, that makes him more valuable too. There it is! Shino Ride the Pine is in the bag. A Cubs edition, especially for our friend Sarah Sanchez. Very cool. I hope they all work out exactly the way that we all think that they will, which could be confusing, especially if we are splitting hairs on some of those. But anyways, there it is. Shino Ride the Pine for the Palazzo Podcast with Sarah Sanchez. Well done. 
Really enjoyed it. That was cool. I hope the Cubs have a great season. Real quick, real quick, Sarah. What are you expecting from the Cubs this season? A uh, borderline wildcard run or what? I'm expecting the Cubs to trade a bunch of people at the deadline and try to amass as many quality prospects as they can. I think that they kind of showed their hand that they were trying to do that in the offseason and then realized that the prospects they thought they should get back for these guys were not actually going to come. I'm furious that they traded you Darvish and Victor Caratini for a bunch of guys who are 18 years old without any at bats and instructional <laughs> league. Um, and look, those guys might be great someday, but that those are lottery tickets. Those are not prospects yet. Like they're, that's such a high risk trade that it just is infuriating. So I think that the Cubs are hoping that they're going to get some breakouts from some of these guys they don't have under control much longer. And I, you might see a Chris Bryant, hopefully not a Wilson Contreras, but it could happen. Hopefully not an Anthony Rizzo, but it could happen. Trade it. Definitely Craig Kimbrell. If he looks like he's doing anything traded to the highest bidder who's going to offer them some prospects for the future. Uh, yeah. I, I know what you mean there. I can understand that. Uh, boy, we're rooting for you. I, I would like the Cubs to do well. I don't have, any hard feelings against the Cubs? They're in the National League and they're not involved with the Tigers, and the Tigers stink. So it'll be another year of just kind of humbling along, half-assing, doing the Detroit thing until maybe they get better. I don't know. New manager though, so I'm excited for the season to come. Um, you know, I I should have wore it today. I actually have a Cubs jersey. Whose? It's uh, no name on the back. It's just a Cubs jersey. I was in Chicago several years ago, and I'm like, I had a Cubs hat at the time. It was my favorite hat that I always wore, and I was like, I got to get a jersey to go along with this. I have a Cubs jersey somewhere in the house. I don't don't think I've worn it in probably seven or eight years. Like, who wears baseball jerseys? Hey, I am wearing my W hoodie right now. I want the Cubs to win and be awesome more than just about anything. I just think the writing is kind of on the wall as to what they want to do with the last year of their contention window. Well, a hoodie's different than a jersey, yeah. Yeah. But I would wear I wear hoodies all the time. That's a different story. But yes, I agree with you. We're all rooting for everybody to have a lot of fun this season. Everybody should have a good time. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? We're gonna wrap the show up, Sarah. Do you want to give a shout out? Do you want to say thank you? Do you want to pay tribute to someone? Do you want to let people know what they can expect from you over the next month or six weeks before the baseball season kicks off on April first? The floor is yours. Well. I just want to say thank you for having me on again. It's a blast. I always love spending time with both of you and the Plotso podcast is great. Uh, if you are a fan of Cup of Cubby Blue, we are recording an episode on Friday. And so that will be dropping this weekend. Make sure that you check it out. And yeah, just looking forward to a pretty intense fantasy league. Really looking forward to the Glarf this year and just, you know, doing the whole baseball season thing. Yeah, uh, Dave and Jake from uh, the Rotosaurus say hello. They're part of Glarf, so they said to say hello to Sarah, and they're looking forward to Glarf this season. So I waved at both of them. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, well, there it is. That's another episode in the books. We'd like to thank Sarah Sanchez for joining us, talking about fantasy. We try to keep the show a little more timely than we have been, so hopefully you're more appreciative of that as the listener. You're our community member. You're a part of the team. We want to get your feedback. Remember, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Utah. Z's. Give me two. Never forget it, and we would welcome your feedback. Keep bringing it to us. We're getting it from some of you, and it's helping the show get better. I thank you so much for the positive feedback and the constructive, honest feedback. It makes a difference. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Deary, tell people where they can find you and what's coming up. 
C. Deary, 1999. So I dropped uh, that poll earlier today about second baseman. I'll probably drop another one tomorrow. Really diving deep into reworking some of these rankings on the system that I'm creating, which I really need to come up with a name by the end of this week. But yeah, check me out. C. Deary, 1999. The Dewey system. Follow me. I will follow you. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for watching the live stream, everybody that participates in any way you can. You can always watch these shows later if you want to watch it on YouTube or you can listen on the podcast format, like we said. Thank you. Don't forget, I was on Mason Dodd's Fantasy Baseball Flock, the Flock Network. Check it out on YouTube. That's it. We're out of here. We'll catch you guys next time. Godspeed. Peace. Travis Spoken. Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. Travis Spoken. Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. 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 The 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 Travis Spoken. Friend. The Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. The Travis Spoken. Malcolm. The Travis Spoken. 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 Tribe has spoken. The 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 tribe has spoken. Trish? The tribe has spoken. The tribe has spoken. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.